Are you ready? I'm ready. Ready, ready, ready. John Peckman Podcast, Connecticut Valley School of Music and Dance, beautiful downtown Portland, Connecticut. Come over the bridge, go through one set of lights, pull a Yui, park in front of the music store with the red neon light. Come be with me on the podcast. Like and subscribe, tell your friends. Have your own podcast right here in our studio. Dave will tell you how. And we are here today with guitar player, keyboard player, Rick Handville. There he is. Hey, John. Right? How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm good. What's going on? Nice to be here. Yeah. Hey, is this how you pictured it? Uh, yeah, pretty actually. Much, pretty I, much. I did a lot of audio and video uh, multimedia work in the corporate world, so oh, okay. this is not unlike yeah, where right. we used to work. Right. Far out. Yeah. We had a little bit bigger space, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, well, well, don't count him out. <laughs> He's working on it. It'll be bigger. It'll be bigger. Yeah. So... Uh, nice to be here, man. Yeah. No, it's it's cool. So um, tell us what you're doing these days. Well, let's see. Uh, my main gig right now is with a band in Simsbury called Little House. Oh, okay. Um, Frank Jagir is the drummer. Nice. Gary Gott on bass, Jess Nolan on vocals, and uh, the leader of the band is Joe Petrina. He's a guitar player and songwriter. Okay. And I play guitar and keyboards in that band. Oh, nice. It's uh, mostly original material. Um, cool. Joe has had a band playing. He, he has a barn on his property that he outfitted as a small concert venue. Oh, nice. About 10 years ago, maybe a little more. Oh, yeah. It's nice great. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and I started working for him about eight years ago. Oh, wow. And um, it's, <laughs> it's a really interesting gig. First of all, there's a Joe Montaneri drum set. Nice. That's there. So Frank gets to use that. Frank brings his own cymbals. And um, Joe Montaneri just made the list. See, this is how this works. <laughs> whoever Frank just made the whoever you mention, ding. Okay, so <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, at any rate, mo most of the material is Joe Petrina's original material. Okay. We do a couple of cover things, not much, but it's always covers that are done in kind of Joe's style. Yep. And. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's a great band. Uh, uh, you know, Joe gives us a lot of latitude to add our own uh, take on his material. Cool. Sometimes he has really definite things he'd like to have us play, and we do that. But uh, And he plays guitar primarily? Yeah, he plays okay. guitar and vocals. Okay. Um, he does also play keyboards, although he hasn't been doing that lately for whatever reason. And yep. um, I've been doing some keyboards, and then Jess, the singer, does some keyboard stuff. Oh. And... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great gig. Uh, also, because that's the only place we play is in his barn. Wow. So yeah, the equipment yeah. is all set up. Hey. The monitors are tweaked. That's also where we, we rehearse. Hey, that's cool. Uh, um, yeah, it's a great gig. And How often do you play? Well, uh, <laughs> it was a couple times a month. Oh, wow. Um, for a variety of reasons, we've had to take a bit of a break. Sure. Um, so this, this uh, fall has been... Not much happening, although uh, Joe and I have been working on mixing um, a, a recent CD okay. in conjunction with, here's another name drop, with Jeff Weed, who oh. has a studio in Bloomfield. Yep. And uh, Jeff has done a bunch of recording and mixing. And, and uh, so between Jeff and I, we bounce back and forth between my home studio and Jeff's. Oh, cool. And we're almost done with the CD right now. That's cool. Well, CD, I don't know. It's a collection of Whatever. music that yeah, yeah. <laughs> will be distributed to the world somehow. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, so that's my main gig. I uh, I was playing for the for the last 
six, seven months with a, a group in Southern Connecticut called Forgotten by Friday. Okay. Uh, I'm going to name drop because uh, uh, the drummer is a guy named Mike Giamatti. Okay. Uh, Giamatti, I'm sorry, I didn't say his name right. Uh, from Brantford, uh, great drummer. Um, nice. But almost all of the gigs with those guys were Southern Connecticut, and I live in Granby, which is, oh boy. you know, yeah. and it was just, uh, I couldn't do it Too after much. a while. I mean, I love playing with them, and, the, and the, you know, musically it was a good gig, but um, yeah. But what was fun about that, and this goes back to what I started to talk about earlier, I play guitar and keyboards. Okay. And I've played... At the same time ever? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however, in the same song, oh, every, right. every once right, in a while. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> it's not, not easy to do, but uh, yeah. I, I started playing guitar when I was eight, and I started playing keyboards when I was 11. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm in my late 60s at this point, so... Uh, my my point being, I've played both for a long time, and and both instruments have affected how I play the other. Uh, so the way that I play guitar is is definitely affected by playing keyboards really? because I yeah because musically I think of things from two different perspectives. Um, anyway, sorry, I got how a would you no, no no how would you characterize those perspectives i don't really play mm -hmm. well I yeah sure really no i can i can address that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. many guitar players uh play rhythmically busier than i do okay uh, i tend to play rhythmically simpler okay uh and and really try and lock in with two and four on the snare yeah um that's just sort of my approach but, yeah, yeah. but a lot of that is because of how i play keyboards so when I play keyboards, I, I tend to fill in not very rhythmic on keyboards. I got you. Intentionally, because yeah. that's, you know, the sound of the instrument has its yeah, yeah. niche that it fits into in a band. Um, so that affects my guitar playing, because then I, I, I almost play guitar a bit like a keyboard player. Oh. You know, it's a, it's a funny, I know it's kind of a funny approach. Well, but, um, it's, it's cool, though. It works, yeah. you know. Um, it, it, so... Uh, the other thing I think that was helpful, and, and um, you know, I, I majored in guitar in college. Uh, uh, I actually went to Hart as a classical guitar major. But my point about that uh, is that no matter what instrument you study at the college level, you also always study keyboards, too. I see. Um, because, you know, the keyboard is a very visual instrument. Sure. It helps you understand musical relationships. Definitely. Uh, you know, the high notes are that way, the low notes are that way. Um, the guitar, unfortunately, yeah. is a, not a visual instrument in terms of understanding musical relationships. Sure. It's a very abstract sure. thing. And, and uh, consequently, many guitar players often don't know the intricacies of music theory. It's not their fault. A lot of it is that the instrument just right. doesn't lend itself to right, that. Right, right. So they just, yeah. Um, they learn the same licks that sure, we all learn. Sure, right. They, they learn shapes and they learn, sure. the, but they don't necessarily understand the... the um, the music theory behind it. Yep. And uh, the reason that that's been helpful for me, uh, music theory to me is more about communication with other musicians absolutely. more than, more than anything. Sure. Absolutely. So that, you know, if I'm working with somebody else that understands theory, now we have a common language. Right. And, you know, I can say, Oh yeah, it's, you know, it's based on this scale or it's this chord yeah. or whatever. And they know exactly what I'm talking about. 100%. And that's a real, a big uh, time saver, actually. Yeah, you know, I agree. Uh, whereas if if you had to actually show somebody, oh yeah, let me get my guitar and show you that chord, that's okay, that works, you know. But um, yep. it, 
I can look at somebody and and say a chord name and they'll understand that. So and what did the, how about the folks in this little house band? Are they on that level? Yes. Oh, good. Uh, that helps absolutely. Um, this uh, little house has been one of the most fun gigs I've done. Wow. Uh, when we get together, there's no drama. People are pros. Are you sure it's a band? There's no drama. <laughs> you know what I mean? If there's a, if there's a band with no drama, is it a band? That, that's that's partly why it's fun mm -hmm. because there is no drama. We don't argue about anything. We cool. we have a good time together. Um, yeah. Nice. It's, it's you know, and, and the fact of the matter is, in my opinion, that affects the music positively. Sure. You know. One would, I don't know. I've never been in a band <laughs> where everyone got along, so I, I can't say. It sounds nice. So, sounds like sounds like a good thing. <clears throat> it's it's unusual. I mean, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I've been in a lot of different bands, and um, uh, sure, there's almost always some level of drama <clears throat> or some conflict. Or, uh, Maybe uh, I don't want. I don't don't take this the wrong way, but just as people get older, you realize what this is for. Like when you're younger, mm -hmm. it's your whole world wrapped up in this band. Do you think maybe, you know, and that's why <clears throat> there's so much drama. When you get older, you're just like, look, I know what I want to get from this. I, I think that's one aspect of it. You know? I, I, absolutely. Um, I would think. Mm -hmm. Sure. You I, know. I, I agree. I think that's one aspect of why there's less drama is yeah. because we have slightly different perspective on what we're doing yeah you know but that's good though i mean that can be a good thing yeah sure i uh, you know um healthy conflict when it's done correctly is not a bad thing sure um but i disagree <laughs> <laughs> i think i think it's hard from my experience i think it's difficult to have healthy conflict without it getting out of hand a lot sure. of times you know you, um, it just escalates Sure. <laughs> no, no, I hear that. Anyway, yeah. So that's that's been the latest thing, man. I, that's I, cool. I've been with Little House for, like I said, I think it's about eight years. Wow. Um, uh, and folks around that way know to come to the show. So that's an interesting point. Um, there's a website, LittleHouseLive.com. Okay. Yep. Um, and you can go on the website and put your name into the email list. And uh, Joe's wife, Laura puts out an email when we're doing a show or yep. shows yep. and uh, people respond to the email and because there's only, um, it seats about 80 people, oh, wow. uh, 80 to 90 people. Okay. And, uh, and it's free. Um, it's, a, it's a great night out. You know, nice. it's early. It's like, it's, uh, it's a seven to nine gig basically. Whoa, so great. for a musician, that's like, yeah, I'm home Beautiful. before, before 11 o'clock. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so she manages the email list yeah. and, uh, um, I don't think we've had less than 60 or 70 people at a show yet. Wow. Um, that's great. But like I say, we've, we haven't done a show now since, uh, the middle of the summer because there's a variety of reasons that hasn't happened, but it'll, it'll resume again. Cool. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah it's uh, been a lot of fun. New material every time, new show every time or kinda? Uh, they, we mix up the material. Um, yep. there is a basic set list that we kind of stick roughly with because Joe's been doing this for quite a while and, mm -hmm. and the audience, you know, as with anything, 
uh, familiarity is important with the material. Sure. And um, there's probably 10 songs out of the set that we do kind of keep the same all the time mm-hmm. because the audience kind of sure. expects it. They're, you know, if you want to call them hit songs or whatever, sure, just, sure. You know, that audience is familiar with them. And then, but Joe is always writing, uh, always, always writing oh, that's stuff, cool. new stuff all the time. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it is actually. And um, when I joined the band, the group was definitely more um, country, country rock focused. Okay. I mean, people call it Americana, but okay. to me it's country rock. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but Joe writes a variety of stuff. Uh, some of it is just, I would call it pop rock. Uh, lately he's been into more blues rock kind of thing. Okay. So it's, it, you know, it, it's got a lot of different flavors mixed in. And yeah. uh, we, we have a lot of latitude to... Um, experiment in what we bring mm-hmm. to the songs um although one thing that's fun you would dig this is uh joe and i do a bunch of dual guitar harmony things like almost allman brothers okay. type of things yeah uh which you don't hear a lot of sure um and uh, joe has those harmonies in his head i mean so that's not an improvised thing he'll tell me exactly what to play he says here's what i'm doing <clears throat> you do this and he'll sing it to me and off we go and uh, cool. yeah it's actually pretty hip um you know, because you don't hear that all that often yeah, yeah, these yeah. days. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. That's wild. Huh. So um, one of the other things that's fun in particular is uh, Frank Jagir being the drummer. I don't know if you know this or not, but he and I grew up together. Okay. Uh, we, we literally grew up across the street from each other oh, in, in Enfield. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, I've known Frank since I was 11 years old. Yeah, right. And we went all through... Yeah, yeah, high yeah. in high school and you know I've just known him forever That's and we've played together a lot not all the time he was in street temperature for a long time mm-hmm. and and uh, he's done a lot of other things and I've done a lot of other things too uh, but but uh, it's like a homecoming it is you know uh, there's a familiarity that that helps again musically you know the way the personalities mix together sure so that's pretty um, cool who got who the gig did you how'd you guys both arrive at the same gig? No, well, I was in the band before him, uh, which I believe Joe Montaneri had called me. Okay. Uh, they had a guitar player prior to me named Tom McGregor, who's a great oh, player yeah. also. Oh, you know yeah. Tom from oh, Southern yeah. Connecticut? Yeah. And uh, he left the band <clears throat> and they needed a guitar player and um, Joe had called me, uh, Montaneri, and I went down and auditioned. And then I was in the band for a good year or so. Doug LaChapelle was playing drums. Oh, okay. Um, and then he left the group. And how did Frank end up in there? Um, I think Joe, I was playing with Frank in a different band, actually. Oh, okay. At, like at the Maple Tree. And, All right, And I, I gotcha. believe Joe came to see us there and really Was Doug, like, hey, this. Hmm. Make do this. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been an interesting ride um, nice. <laughs> for, nice. for a bunch of years. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, of course, I, you know, I worked with Brian McDonald quite a bit, uh-huh. um, uh, both gigging and recording. So all through COVID, <coughs> excuse me, uh, all through COVID, we did a number of uh, live stream concert things. Oh. Just he and I, duo okay. thing. He he had done a couple things on his own first. Yep. Um and then he had called me, and we had started working on some recording stuff. And then at that point, he said, "Well, why don't why don't you and I do the live stream thing together?" I'm like, "Yeah, cool, cool, you know? yeah." Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And then uh, we've done two complete CDs together of his material. 
Right. Brian is a prol- prolific writer also. Hey, that um, helps. Yeah. Are you? Uh, no. I, I wish, I'm, I'm envious yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of writers because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. never been my strong point. Um, have I written some things? Yes. Um, you know, but I look right. at people like Joe Petrina and Brian McDonald and, and folks like that, that that are able to just come out with stuff, yeah, you yeah. know, regularly, good stuff. Yeah, it's and, a thing. Uh, that was never, that was never my forte. That's <laughs> kind of wild. Well, I guess everybody's got something. I know what you mean. Not much of a writer. I, you know, I, I, I've always been better at helping right. people that write. Yeah, me too. You yeah. know, I yeah. can support them well. Yeah. Uh, like on Brian's records. I did guitars, I did keyboards, I played bass on most of it. Um, uh, I did a lot of the, well, I did all the engineering and stuff. Cool. So, you know, that's more my um, strong point are, are helping mm-hmm. creative people. Yeah. Uh, like Joe, like Brian. <clears throat> um, there were some other folks back in the 90s that I worked with that, that were, again, prolific writers. Yeah. And, and uh, I was able to help them with stuff. Cool. So, cool. Yeah, it's good. So it all started in Enfield, is that what you say? Yeah, yeah. Um, I started playing guitar in 65. Wow. Uh, that would be 1965. Right, right. Just right. to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, m- most people my age that were into that were, were total Beatles fanatics, and, and I was not, stra- oh, wow. strangely. Wow. Um, not intentionally, just, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were part of the You're landscape. Watching a different channel. That, yeah, kind of. Night, you know, yeah. I mean, they were part of the landscape, but I was at a point where, I mean, you know, to me, I was into the monkeys. I was into uh, Tommy James and the Shondells. Yeah, right, right. Um, and then ultimately, I was into Santana. I was into Chicago mm-hmm. Tower of Power. You know, yep. uh, little uh, Allman Brothers. You know, Phil Maurice album. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, th- so the Beatles were not a huge influence on me. Initially, they are more so now, which I think is kind of funny. But you know, in hindsight, looking at yeah. uh, they they really changed music uh, as we know it. Um, but when I was younger, they were not a big influence for me. Wow. So yeah. Anyway, Enfield. Uh, there were a lot of musicians from Enfield from that time period, uh, give or take four or five years. I mean, some really good musicians. Tom Peoric, another great drummer. Do you know Tom? No. Um, Great drummer, yeah. uh, Doug Jones was yep. from Enfield. Yep. Uh, he was two years behind me, but you know mm-hmm. we all knew each other. Guitar player named Dave Vuda, uh, yeah, fabulous guitar player. Uh, Mark Legault was a sax player. Has mm. been with Steve Smith and the Nakeds for a long oh, time. Wow. Yeah. Um, who else? Man, Vinnie Casado. He's a trumpet player. This was all. These were all people within a couple of year yeah, yeah, span yeah. within yeah, the yeah. same school systems. You know. Oh, why? Was it a good, <laughs> good music teacher, or who knows? I, I wish I had an easy answer. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the, something in the water. They were supportive. I mean, you know, the the uh, the school programs were supportive, and uh, the teachers were good. Um, but I think there's, I think you have that in many school systems all over. So yeah. I I don't know what the <laughs> what was going on at yeah, that point in time. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Enfield, <clears throat> go figure. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, also maybe be somewhat a uh, law of numbers because the two high schools uh, were huge. I mean, they had oh, okay. a couple thousand people in each high school yeah, 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 at yeah, the same yeah. time. So, yeah. so you had a lot of people. Sure. Uh, so that may have contributed to that also. Mm. Um, <laughs> just, just pure numbers of, of people doing it at that kind of similar age, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, start on guitar, you said, and then keys later. I did. Um, yeah, I was actually living in, in New Jersey at that point. I was born in, in uh, Plainfield, New Jersey. Okay. And um, we lived there till I was about 11 and then moved to Connecticut. Um, but yeah, so I took guitar lessons for a couple of years in, 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 in uh, excuse me, Plainfield, yep. New Jersey. Moved to Connecticut, started studying home organ lessons. Oh, wow. Things, my, you know. Uh, sure. Basic playing uh, Girl from Ipanema. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Never on Sunday. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's funny to, uh, to look at that. And I, I laugh at some of that, making a joke out of it. But I will tell you that having played home organ like that was really helpful for me understanding the bigger picture of music and, yeah, right, and, and right, how sure. things fit together. Sure, sure. Because I was playing bass with my foot yeah, on yeah, the pedals. Yeah, sure. You know, playing chords with my left hand, yeah. playing melodies with my right, to to, it's like tune. a cheesy drum machine, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I never thought about it, but, you know, when you when you sort yeah. of dissect music and, and understand how that all hangs together, it was, it's been helpful, actually. I bet. Yeah, instead of just playing parts or whatever, just one part, yeah. you're playing the whole thing. Well, and then because of that, so when I was in high school, Enfield High School, I played electric bass in the jazz band. I played sousaphone in the marching band. Oh, boy. I had my own rock band where I played guitar uh, with a horn section. Okay. Uh, I wish I had a couple of recordings of that <laughs> band. Remember the song Rocky Mountain Way, Joe yep. Walsh? Yeah. We used to do a version of that with the horn section. Six horn players doing the ba, da, 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 da. Sounds good. It, yeah, I could imagine. My, my memory of it was it was really good. <laughs> But, you know, we're, we're talking 1972, 73, so wow. uh, was it really good? I don't know, but it seems like a cool idea. <laughs> it's a cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> so That's awesome. Um, yeah, so, you know, my parents were really supportive of me in terms of, uh, I mean, they bought me a bass. I was an only child. Yeah, yeah. I still am, as a matter oh, of fact. hey, how about that? Um, so they bought me a bass. They bought me a Fender Rhodes piano. They bought oh. me a nice... Gibson Les Paul guitar after I had been playing, nice. you know, after I'd been playing for a number of years and cool. it was pretty obvious that this was something I was going to continue to do. So they bought me a Les Paul and, you know, so you still have it. I, I don't actually. Oh um, I sold that guitar to buy the first Paul Reed Smith guitar that I bought back in 1985. Okay. Sure. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. So it was okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was a, seemed like a fair <clears throat> trade at the time. You sure. Know? Sure. Um, I've ended up being a PRS guy. Oh, really? Since then. Yeah. I, they just fit with how I like to play. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, but anyway, my point about that was just simply that my parents were very supportive of me as a musician, giving me a lot of opportunities to do things. I didn't appreciate all of that at the time. This sure. is kind of in hindsight. Sure. Um, <laughs> but that was a big deal. Uh, you know, knowing that your, your parents thought this... I, you know, it was a good thing. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that was my experience. Of course, my too. mother always wanted me to study business, you know. <laughs> right. You need to have something to fall back on. You know? Sure. But my father was, uh, <laughs> I think my father would have been a musician if he had grown up in a different time period. Oh, really? Yeah. He uh, he came from a family of 12 kids. Oh, boy. During the Depression. Not a lot of extra money for music lessons. Sure. And, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. But, you know, before he passed away, he and I had had a conversation, and he basically said that uh, he he let me go to music school and all that because that's what he would have done if he could have. Yeah, right. 
And right. um, so, you know, it, uh, it, it absolutely has a special meaning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. me because of that. So yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that's that that's pretty sense. cool. Makes sense. <laughs> um, so when did you start um, playing, like out in the world, proper? When did that start to happen? <laughs> I had a band when I was in eighth grade, whatever age. I guess that would be maybe thirteen, something yeah. like that. You're gonna love this band called Peace Incorporated. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds good. We had red, white, and blue shirts. You yeah, know, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. That would have been whatever year that was, you know, 69, 70, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Peace Incorporated. Um, Peace Incorporated uh, was a quartet. Uh, I actually still know some of the people. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. My last high school reunion a couple of years ago, the trumpet player was there. Mm. It was fun to see. Wow. Um, yeah, so we started there, and... Um, and then, like many people in that time frame, we played school dance things, sure. and, and uh, uh, eventually doing some VFW kind of gigs, American Legion gigs, sure. stuff like that. Yeah, some that wedding stuff. stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, once I ended up in college as a music major, I started gigging more. Oh, okay. And I was always teaching too, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, in in uh, Enfield, I I taught at a store called Music Men. It's not okay. there anymore. It's gone, long gone. Um, but I was teaching three or four days a week. Um, hey, that's cool. It was great. That's that was another musical experience that I highly recommend. <laughs> if yeah. you've not, uh, assuming that you like teaching, I do. Uh, <laughs> for me, uh, I would say that I got more out of teaching than my students probably did. Actually, hey, that's cool. In uh, what way? Uh, I would have the students, this is a, in days of cassette tapes, you know, sure. <laughs> late 70s. Uh, I would have students bring in cassette tapes of whatever they wanted to learn. Once they got to a point where sure. they could play a little bit, you yep. know, could do some popular yep. songs, uh, you know, the, obviously that's what they want to do is play popular songs. So bring in whatever you want to learn. I'll learn it first and then show it to you. Yep. Well, the byproduct of doing that was I got really good at hearing yeah, sure. songs yeah, and learning yeah, them, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about it, you know. Yeah. I never did it intentionally. I did it to be able to show the students, but I did it so often that, you know, it was really helpful to me for future yeah. stuff in terms of developing my ears and, and yep. Uh, yep. just learning parts. And then even, you know, even with recording now where I'm, you know, trying to add a guitar part to like one of Brian's songs, for example, you know, I have 8 million guitar parts floating yeah, yeah, yeah. around in my head of stuff that I learned, you know. Totally, and um, it 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 helped me in that regard. That's cool. Um, so you went off to school. What were you thinking? What did you think was going to happen? Did it happen? Um, my goal, which did not happen, okay. At that time, it didn't happen. Uh, I always wanted to be a studio musician. Okay, sure. That was that was in when I in my eighteen year old mind, <laughs> you know. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be Larry Carlton, sure. or, you know, whoever. Um, I I never had the guts to to get up and move to L.A. or Nashville sure. or New yeah. York, so I stayed in Connecticut. And uh, but in in many ways, I've actually achieved my goal. Uh, in terms, I mean, part of it is because of the re level of recording that we can do at home now, right? You know, with right. the Pro Tools and all right. of that. Yeah, um, that wasn't a thing. 
in right. 1980. Yeah, sure. Um, excuse me. But because of that, I can work at home and do get people guitar parts for people that, you know. Yeah. They'll send me something over the internet and uh, I'll lay out a guitar part and send it back. And Yeah. Probably so, working now more than you would have. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that was my goal. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so I did music for my living until I was about 30. <clears throat> excuse me. Gigging and teaching and stuff. Uh, unfortunately, you know, this is a common story. I fell into a lot of the substance abuse at, uh, of being in in sure. a bar every sure. night of the week, you know. Sure. And uh, so when I was about 30, I went back to school for electronics. Okay. Um, this would have been in 85, Okay, I guess. Which was a great thing in terms of my health. <laughs> yeah. In terms of my marriage. Oh, yeah. I'm still married to the same woman for oh, hey. 42 cool. years. That's um, cool. Uh, I have two uh, daughters that are in their 30s now. And um, so that allowed me, working in the corporate world, allowed me to continue playing and, yeah, right. and recording and what have you. But, sure. uh, you know, I had health insurance. And yeah, all that stuff. All, all the, you know, things yeah. there. So, I mean, you know, it's not for everybody. I get it. You sure. Know, I have lots of musician friends that have just done music and that's cool. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I in some respects, wish I could have stayed in that world. But, um, you know, again, in hindsight, this has worked out pretty well. So Yeah. No complaints. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's what I mean? cool. Um, yeah. And again, I you know I've been able to do a lot of different things musically, um, which is just the the amount of different people that I've had the chance to play with, different band situations. Uh, played with Troy Slocum's band for oh, cool. uh, for a while. Their their original guitar player had hurt his hands at some point. This was back in the '90s, and um, they called me to fill in. Well, filling in ended up being a you know yeah 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 six six or nine month gig or whatever it was. And, That's uh, cool. Yeah, so that was great. Um, just been nice to have diff- all the different opportunities, you know. Yeah. No, this is it's yeah it's interesting. You, we think of it as a like you say because we don't go to New York or L.A. or Nashville. We think that Connecticut's like nothing much going on, but you actually get a lot done, kind of. In a yeah. way, in a way, you know so what I mean? some of the best gigs too for me uh, was playing at the Wolf Den uh, down at Mohegan. Sure, um, uh, there was a group called the Groovematics, silly okay. name, but uh, it was a horn band. Yeah, Ricky Marshall on drums. Yeah, they played Rocky Mountain Way. No, <laughs> I'd always like to hear a band actually do that at some point. I was in a horn band that played Rocky Mountain Way. It was only two horns though. It was oh really? Little, yeah. Were you really? Yeah, I was. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, yeah, we used to play that. It's funny. <laughs> That's a fun song. Yeah. I always loved playing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you were saying... Uh, so, yeah. So, this horn band, uh, Ricky Marshall was the drummer. Oh, yeah. Um, Rudy Weeks on bass. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. uh, yeah, anyway, those gigs, this is probably 10, 12 years ago now. It was a while back. But, uh, yeah, we played at Mohegan quite a bit. And uh, great gig. That was, That's cool. Uh, yeah. So, I've always been drawn to horn bands when... Uh, huh. uh, they're far and few between, and yeah, obviously yeah. you're not going to make any money doing it. Sure. You know, if you're sure. lucky, you make expenses, so you're, it's not costing you money. Sure, sure. Um, uh, I was in a horn band about two years ago um, called Still Kickin' uh, okay. from uh, Granby area. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and there's nothing like having a real horn section. Yeah, right. Uh, you yeah. know, it, keyboards do an adequate job, and you know that's cool. But uh, when you actually have four or five horns, and, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. good players, and they have the parts and the harmonies, that's really cool, man. Cool. You know, yeah, um, it's different. Are you familiar with the uh, the Michael Palin and the other orchestra? Have you seen that? I'm glad you brought that up because I meant to tell you that I've known Mike Palin. We went to college together. Oh, nice. Okay. Down at University of Bridgeport. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's booked on a Thursday because he yep. does his thing. I, I, um, Palin and I, when we were in college, we actually played together quite a bit. Oh, that's cool. Uh, there was a sax player named Fred Vigdor. Um, oh, yeah. And yep. uh, we used to have a little thing playing. And then um, uh, Dave Weckles came in. Uh, the semester that I left, Dave Weckl came in. Okay. And so all those guys knew Weckl and yeah, played yeah, with yeah. him and hung sure. out. I, I never did meet him. But, um, yeah, Palin, uh, he's got the he's got the other orchestra. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I've filled in with them a couple of times. Really? Yeah. Um, Playing guitar? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, talk about a lot of horns. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> yeah, and Brian actually sings with them. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's uh, right, where I... Uh, Hooked that, hooked that up, went up and hmm. cornered him. <laughs> cornered a lot of people. Yeah, up, I meant to tell you gig. about about Mike Palin that, that we yeah, yeah, yeah. together. Yeah, no, he's he's yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna get him up here. Cool. Yeah, no, that'd be fun. You know, it's really funny the uh, various personal connections that you make over the years, and yeah, actually, right. um, something that I wish somebody had told me before I went to music college at the college level was about networking with people and finding people that you can stand working, that you like. That's sure. the wrong way to put it. <laughs> Not <laughs> I didn't really. mean that you can stand working with. I meant yeah, people yeah. that you like working with sure. where you uh, help each other musically. And, you know, I never looked at college that way uh, as, as being a, um, a situation where you can really find people to connect with, you know. Uh, it just never dawned on me. Right, you were just there to learn the, yeah. the, the stuff. Yeah. And, um, huh. you know, I think, uh, if I had that aspect of my life to do over again, that's something I would approach a little differently in terms of seeking out people that I, that I want to work with. Because, you know, at that point you're, you're still a young musician kind of learning your way and learning your craft and, and perfecting it. Sure. Um, but how you interact with people personally is such a huge thing. Yeah. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I just always wished I had kept that in the back of my mind not to use people i don't mean it from that perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know finding people that you that you connect with and then and then maintaining those relationships sometimes can be pretty cool well better luck next time <laughs> i guess right <laughs> yeah <coughs> yeah i don't know i didn't go to school you know yeah so i don't well know. it's a, you know it's a two-edged sword i mean uh, m studying music at that level can be great. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I think sometimes folks that that study music that deeply oftentimes um, don't always, um, they're not great ear players necessarily. They get stuck sure. at, you know, sure. needing to have a chart in sure. front of them. I'm not saying everybody, but sure, I'm saying sure. it's, a, it's a common pattern. Um, I, I was very fortunate that a lot of the gigs that I did were more about just having good ears and yeah, just yeah. fitting in with whatever was sure. going on. So 
I have kind of the best of both yeah, skills, yeah, you yeah. know. I understand theory, I can read and all of that. But it enhanced what you were already doing. I think so. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been really helpful. Um, but, you know, having said that, I would still say that having good ears is much more important. And, and being able to listen to what people are doing around you and, and playing the appropriate information with that. I mean, that's sure. the most important thing. Yeah. You know, um, having the schooling was helpful in certain respects, but... Um, yeah, it's definitely not the most important. Yeah, thing. people. Yeah, you're likely In, not going to learn that. Not you're not going to learn how to have the ears that you need. Right. Yeah. Right. Actually, uh, there's there's a couple things in hindsight, looking at the music training that I've had, that I think were a big miss uh, in terms of things that were never talked about, were never taught, and uh, and this one seems like. Really, you never talked about this. Uh, this is really, I think, a little odd to me. Is uh, how to properly do vibrato on your instrument, oh. which is such a huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really huge yeah, yeah. aspect of expression on huh. any instrument. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about guitar specifically, but on any instrument. With all the lessons and teachers and everything I had, not one time did anybody mention vibrato. Not even mention really. It. Yeah, which I think is really odd. Was it just jazz? Is that why? No, I don't think so. I mean, originally I was a classical guitar major, uh -huh. um, nylon string classical guitar, um, and then jazz uh, down at University of Bridgeport. How long did you go to school? Three years. Maybe okay. it was the four, in the fourth year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You yeah. Know, like, yeah, geez, I missed that. Wait, we're just going to get to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say, take everything we taught you and now apply vibrato to it. Yeah, that's it. Imagine. So, wow. I mean... Uh, vibrato on any instrument but sure. again because I'm a guitarist I'm, I'm thinking about the guitar is hard to teach you know it's um, you can just try to imitate people that that you like the way they do vibrato sure and, um, sure <laughs> yeah I missed the fourth yeah year. yeah <laughs> imagine <laughs> it was as simple as that yeah I, I was always surprised that that was never discussed though yeah Ever. right <laughs> I've wow. never heard anybody talk about it Huh. Um, maybe they did. Maybe I. And you uh, didn't think of it then. No. Now looking back, you're like, right, no. right, yeah. Never thought about it at that point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Seems like a big miss to me, but. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if it's different now. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. So. Uh, Go figure. <laughs> a whole uh, bunch of vibratoless players, <laughs> you know, come out, come out of that system, <laughs> and you can tell. Some of it for me is that uh, when I'm soloing or, or playing single note stuff, I'm not a um, I'm not a flashy player. Uh, I do have a lot of chops. Every once in a while, I'll throw sure. something in, sure. you know, uh, just because yeah, just keep it, people it, off your, it fits. Off your back. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but more often than not, I tend to play simpler, slower things. So vibrato is actually a really big deal. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, it's sure. a, it's an important <laughs> aspect of expression. So. And how and you just developed it on your own. Yeah, Since school didn't help you with that. Yeah, no, you know, right. listening, watching people. Um, no vibrato and keys, though. No, that's true. Uh, absolutely true. I mean, um, with keyboards, it's a different type of expression. Sure. You know, obviously, it's dynamics yep. have become an important part. Yep. Um, the sounds themselves. I mean, given you know keyboards today obviously you have every sound at, yeah, your, yeah. at your fingertips which is great totally 
So different, different sounds. But uh, you know, I had a, a Fender Rhodes. Actually, I've had five Fender Rhodes pianos over the years. They yeah. all pretty much got destroyed from, mo- yeah. from moving around. Yeah. You know. Yep. Uh, almost as bad as moving drums, but not quite. Oh God. Yeah. No, I know. I had a Rhodes, <laughs> forever. Um, yeah, I had a Rhodes, <clears throat> and I I moved with it, like three or four times. Did you? Yeah. And then the last time. I'm just like I got. I have to get rid of this, <laughs> and I I gave it away. Did you? Yeah, wow. which was good. It was cool. Yeah. I just threw it out there, and someone who really wanted it, um, took it. So that's cool. Yeah, one of the one of the Fender Roads that I bought, a uh, female singer in the band was moving to New York City, and she needed to get rid of it in a hurry. Yeah, right, right. And, uh, yeah, it, yeah. I gave her a hundred bucks for it. Right. And uh, yeah, I actually wish I had kept that one. That's the last one I had. Oh boy. But whatever. Oh well. It happens. Now you can have a Fender Rhodes on your phone. That's yeah, probably pr- yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. So, uh, so it sounds like you got into um, home recording at some point. Yeah, I, um, in the late 90s, uh, you know, of course, like all of us, I had a four-track cassette recorder. And, uh, Me too. And did a lot of work with that, you know, Yamaha four-track cassette. Sure. Which was great for yeah. its time, you oh, know, yeah. to be able to do that even, you know, and then you'd, you'd do three tracks and bounce it oh, down yeah. to one and you oh, know, yeah. it would get all hissy and all that yep. stuff. But yep. um, as soon as I was able to move into the computer recording world, I, I could see the benefits of it right away. Oh, yeah. Um, so you skipped right over the ADAT revolution. I had an ADAT for a little while, but okay. that was still a tape-based thing. And, sure. you know, one of the big deals that was always frustrating to me was the, the rewind time of, of any tape device, Gotcha. you know, over the course of a whole record that you were doing, yeah, yeah, sitting yeah. there, you know, waiting yeah. for it to rewind was yeah. always a drag, which to me was always one of the big things about computer recording was there is yeah. no, yeah, boom, there's no yep. rewinding, no fast forwarding, you know, as soon as you hit stop, you can hit yep. it and go. Yeah. Um, which I loved. Plus yeah. I'm a, I'm a computer geek anyway. Okay. That was something that I was always interested in. So you saw, you were like, this is how it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, unfortunately, originally it was extremely expensive. You know, all the Pro Tools gear was, was sure. exorbitantly expensive. Sure. And uh, so I didn't spend 10 grand on it. You know? Sure. I, uh, I kind of inched my way into it. But over time, it's gotten more and more affordable. Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I mean... The power of having that in your computer on your desk at home yeah. is just unbelievable. Yeah, that, right. You know, um, compared to in the seventies when we were doing recording on twenty-four track yeah. tape at fifty bucks an hour or sure. whatever it was. You sure, know? sure. I worked at the nineteen down in Glastonbury. There was yep. um, a gallery in East Hartford. Um, there was a studio for a little while in Bloomfield called Real Dreams. Okay, uh, a long time ago, and they, you know, they were all. 24 track tape yeah, which yeah. was state of the art at the sure. time you yeah know? yeah um and great stuff yeah great sound but you yeah know, to to be able to have a a mac or whatever i mean i have both machines at home yeah but to be able to have that on your desk with you know pro tools running on it and so you were you're ready you're like this is the way it's going to be yeah i i jumped into that as soon as i could afford it basically as, yeah. <laughs> as soon as there were some more affordable versions of the software and hardware and cool and, uh, yeah that was that was uh, pretty hip stuff and do you feel that um you know some people say 
that the limitations versus no limitations as far as tracks affects the creativity <clears throat> in what way? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. the, you know, always, you know, yeah, the thing, you know, when you're l working with limitations is a thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think. I mean, I know there's no there's no answer, but it just you know. Sure. Uh, I mean, based on my experiences, uh, having certain limitations is absolutely a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think artists in general have trouble knowing when to say enough. Sure. Or you know, this song is finished. Yeah. You know, yeah whatever. Yeah. They, you know, because when you're not paying for studio time yeah. and, and you have unlimited hard drive space, you yeah, can yeah. work on something forever. Mm -hmm. um, so to your point about having limitations, um, it's a different kind of limitation now that you have to sort of impose on yourself and be able to say, that's good yeah, enough, yeah, that's yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. Can, can we keep making it better? Sure, you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's a point of diminishing returns where um, some of the little tweaks no one is ever going to hear them or, <laughs> or care for that matter. Right. Um, well, that's a challenge, you know? Yeah, I would imagine. I think. Um, the other side of that, though, the, the good aspect of that is that when you have your own home studio, you're not on the clock anywhere. Right. And that's a big deal, you know, yeah, yeah. as you know. I mean, you're, not, sure. you're not on the clock. You're not thinking about... Oh man, we just yeah, you yeah. Know, we just shot another 50 60 bucks yeah, um, yeah. because I couldn't get the take right. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have any of that pressure. But again, that's a two-edged sword as you point out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um you can spend all day on <laughs> on an 8-bar guitar solo or whatever yep. and and yeah. Uh, I think I think sometimes when you spend that much time with it you you lose some of the life of the of the solo even even if maybe it's sure. more perfect. Sure. You know. The, the original couple of takes might have been a little more raw, yeah. but a lot of times they just have a spark to them that uh, yeah, yeah. when you beat a track to death, it doesn't I guess that's what them. a producer is for, supposed to be for hmm, back good in point. the day. Yep. You know what I mean? Sure. Keep you in line. Yeah, exactly right. And it's hard being your own producer yeah. <laughs> for, for that for that exact reason. That's what they say. You know? Yeah, so. for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're getting we're getting close ish. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about before we start with the wrap up questions? <laughs> are you going to ask me what my desert island records uh -huh. are? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually put some thought into that. Oh, okay. Uh oh. All right. Okay. So, uh, desert island albums. Desert island albums. Are they actually albums anymore? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I call um, them albums. But I would have to take a uh, Steely Dan record or two. Okay. Um, like Gaucho, for sure. example. Sure, sure. Um, uh, I'd probably have to take uh, a Matt Schofield record. Do you know Matt Schofield? No. Not John Schofield. Yeah, no. It's a British guy. He's a blues, kind of Robin Ford type of player. Wow. Um, but he's he's a lot like what Robin Ford was doing when Robin Ford was much younger, where sure. he had a little more fire. Sure, Robin's been kind of chilled out the last couple of records. But okay, uh, yeah, Matt Schofield, good singer, good guitar player. Wow, uh, always has a great band. Cool. Uh, a lot of times he does like an organ trio thing, mm. uh, where he has a, a great B three player yeah. that does left hand bass. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, good drummers. Still around. 
He's oh, yeah. Yeah, no, okay. he's he's probably 40, uh, maybe early 40s. Oh, wow, okay, uh, so he's got a ways he, He's from London, but he lives in Florida, and he gigs uh, down in Florida quite a bit. Okay, I'll have to look out for uh, there's a There's a really cool club in Boca Raton called the Funky Biscuit. I'm okay. doing an ad for the Funky Biscuit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. My mother used to live in that area, so whenever oh, I went right. to visit, I would always go over there. And uh, you saw this dude. Yeah, and they have just they always have great music at this place. So yeah, yeah. that's cool. Anyway, Matt Schofield, great player. Matt Schofield. What else would I What else would I need to take? Um, there's a, another kind of obscure musician named Andreas Volenweider. Um, <laughs> I'm somewhat familiar. He's Swiss. Yeah. Uh, he plays harp. Right. And That's uh, right. his his music is uh, a little hard to categorize, but I think most I know people some would of it. probably call it kind of new age. Yeah, uh, it's very relaxing music. We yeah. used to we used to play it a lot when my when my daughters were real young, and cool. and still for me to this day, I would put that on and just it's great yeah. music. It creates a certain mood. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so that's wild. Kind of a different. Uh, selection of music <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. than the usual oh and probably some tower of power you know yeah the, you think so the album with what is hip yeah sure garibaldi and yeah, the yeah, crew. yeah yeah how wrong can you go yeah that was a big influence on me too sure yeah how could it not be yeah definitely i think that's it man that's really all i would take that's it <clears throat> i think so wow <laughs> okay uh desert island food desert island food sure uh, sushi would be top of the list. Uh, any kind of sushi. My wife and I are big sushi eaters. I'm cool. a cook also. So, oh, nice. Um, uh, Thai food. I, I have a couple of really nice Thai recipes that I cool. do. Um, yeah, probably sushi and Thai. And I nice. uh, got to have my Starbucks coffee. That would, yeah, yeah. You know, that would have to be there. Got that they right. would have to have Starbucks on a didn't you get? Didn't I bring you a... You didn't get your... Your, right. your small black hot coffee, I remembered. Oh. Downstairs, downstairs, ice cold. Oh, man. I <laughs> wow. I, I forgot. That's okay. All right. Um, <laughs> he can take what? He can take it with him. Yeah, yeah, right. right. <laughs> um, name, uh, uh, can you think of a show, a concert that you went to that changed your life, your trajectory, that you were like, oh, hey. Um. That's an interesting question. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Um, <coughs> I, I'll answer that in a different way. Sure. <clears throat> um, I've seen Pat Metheny a couple times. And while his concerts, in my opinion, tend to be kind of long. Okay. And after an hour or so, I need to go out and take a break. Yeah, sure. Even though he's still playing. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would say just from a total music geek perspective there's some of the most interesting things i've seen yeah um, there was one show out at the warner theater in in torrington he had an album out <clears throat> called the way up and it was one piece of music hour and 15 minutes long and it was the full pat metheny group there's like eight people on yeah, stage yeah, yeah. and that's what they played huh and the song had the most complex time changes and key changes and oh, it was boy. very deep stuff not casual listening, sure, you know, it was, sure. It was challenging music. And not, not one of the musicians on stage had charts for anything. Wow. They had everything yeah. memorized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, when, 
when they finished that piece, Pat finally got on the mic and said, hi, everybody, how's everybody doing? And he said, what would right. you like to hear? And somebody yells out, play that one again. Oh, boy. You know, yeah. <laughs> and he did. Yeah, you yeah, imagine. <laughs> so that was cool. Uh, that yeah. was a great show. Um, I, I saw out at the Infinity, I saw um, Eric Johnson and Mike Stern together. They toured together oh, wow. probably eight or nine years ago now. Huh. And that was a fabulous show. That yeah, was, I bet. Uh, it was very inspiring. Was it a full band? It was a quartet, yeah. Who was so on they drums? Had, um, oh, man. I can picture him, and I can't think of his name. Uh-oh. was uh, Andy Hess on bass, who was with uh, Tedeschi Trucks Band for a while. And the drummer was Gary... Oh, you'd, you'd know the name if I could come up with it. Um, I can picture him. Gary. Yeah. Not Gary Husband. Um, yeah. Can't come up with his name. Anyway, great quartet. But what was really inspiring about it was, uh, I love Eric Johnson, but he tends to be kind of like, if the audience is over there, he puts his back to the audience and he's so mm. focused looking at the guitar. What was cool about this, Mike Stern is just like a happy guy yeah, on yeah, stage. Yeah. Yeah. And he really brought that out in Eric Johnson. Oh, I see. And and so they were having a lot of fun together on stage, playing off of each other. Oh, that's and cool. Yeah, I mean, the feeling from that was uh, very influential yeah. uh, to me. And yeah. um, so uh, I, I'm actually, when I play with Little House in Simsbury, one of the things that is important to me is that we are having a good time on stage, or at least we look like we're having yeah, a good time yeah, yeah. on stage. And to <coughs> Sorry. me, one of the biggest compliments people can can give us or give me when they're leaving is, man, you guys look like you were having so yeah, much sure, fun up there. Sure, sure. And you know, people leave with that. Uh, you yeah, know, they yeah, they yeah. feel that. You know, yep. they they leave with that feeling. And um, you know, uh, that that's always been important to me. Yeah. And, and so for that reason, that show was was uh, influential. And to then. Me. When he wasn't playing with Mike Stern, he went back to <laughs> turning his back. Yeah. I mean, brilliant player and real unique. Yeah, sure. Unique musician. Um, but huh. it was really fun to see him with Stern because Stern, yeah, Mike yeah. Stern really brought out something different. Yeah. Uh, I've seen Eric a few times, and that was probably one of the most enjoyable for me. I can't say, you know, it was just for me. Yeah. Um, now you got me thinking. All I'm trying to think of is who the drummer I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with it soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, we don't know. He's he's more of a fusion drummer. He's played in a, in a number of fusion. Uh, We're gonna get to the bottom of this. situations. <laughs> we have to know. This is making me nuts. All right, yeah. just think about it for a second. Um, man, I can picture him too. All right, so here's how we're gonna do it. Eric Johnson. We're gonna start there. They did a record together, Eric Johnson and Mike Stern, and I think that drummer was on that record. Okay, all right. We're going to get to the bottom of this right now. Was it around 2014? Uh, that sounds about right. Okay, we're going to find out right now. You ready? Good, because this is bugging me. <laughs> I know, me too. Uh-oh, this is going to be a problem. Because Anton Fig played on the record. Okay. That does not help us right now. <clears throat> no, it wasn't Anton Fig. Oh, boy. What are we going to do? <laughs> Somebody's got to know. Someone's got to know. Leave them a comment. Yeah, somebody will know. Somebody hit it up in the comments. No, because I know what you mean. 
Uh, oh boy. All right. Not coming up. Nope. Nope. Not him. <laughs> not him. Not them. Not him. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll put it in the comments. Wow. That's making me nuts. So I know what you mean. Oh, here we go. All right. Hold on. We're getting there. Nope. Anton Fig. It definitely wasn't him. He was on the record with Stern and, and Eric Johnson. Yeah. And then here's a gig around then, and it's Anton. Hmm. Well, he's a great drummer, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, cool. someday. Someday, someday we'll find out. We'll put it in the, uh, put it in the comments. Oh so boy! At some point, uh, I would love to play a gig with you. Oh, we're, we've never gigged together. Yeah, no, that would be cool. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. You know where to find me. Yeah, cool. Right? Yep. Yep. We'll find Gary, whoever that is. <laughs> who who could it be? Wow, I don't know. I don't know. We got to figure it out. Um. All right. You have I'll, any? You I'll have look any? It up. You got any famous last words? You got. We have you know, a couple of minutes. Famous last words. Yeah, huh? yeah. What's next? Just more little house. Just doing your thing. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm guessing that uh, Brian McDonald is probably going to have some material coming up, so I'm sure yep. we'll probably do some recording with that. Cool. Um, uh, so I had a group with Frank Jagir in the '90s called Mosaic. Okay. Which that's what that CD yeah, yeah, is yeah, that yeah. I gave you. Yeah. And that was more of an acoustic thing. Okay. Uh, with me on nylon string guitar. And I would love to do kind of a reunion of that. Okay. Now this is going, you know, twenty years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're we're in different places as people and musicians, but I think that's a good thing, you know. And um, so that's actually something that I would love to do. Yeah. Um, kind of a reunion of that group. We had a couple different bass players. Craig Garfinkel was yeah, in there yeah, for a yeah. little while. Yep. Uh, Jim LaMontagne was in it. Okay. Uh, Dave Natale was on bass for a little oh, while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a couple of different cool. bass players. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, in a trio, bass player is a is a huge thing. Oh, yeah. And so each one of those guys sort of brought out slightly different things in, in what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I played with Dave for years. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. 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 Cool. So Dave and I played together in a group called the Downbeats. Okay. Again, silly name, but it was a pretty good band. This was back when um, I met Dave when he was 15. Oh, wow. And I think I was 17 or 18, Whoa. something like that. Yeah, I've known Dave a long time. That's heavy. Yeah, great an player. Another Enfield person. No. No? <laughs> but up that way. Actually, he was from um, New London area. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Le Ledger, actually. His his father was a music teacher in Ledger. Oh, Dave wow. grew up in Ledger. Okay. Uh, eventually, he moved up this direction. Right, he, right. he lived in Bloomfield for that's, a while. That's and, what I'm thinking. Yeah. And uh, I think he's in Windsor at this point. But uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good player. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Well, you know, we can get out of here. Cool. You know. Thanks for having me. No. Man. Hey. Thanks for coming. It was really I, fun. I appreciate it. You were on the on the big list, so it was just you know <laughs> a matter of time, and, yeah. and here we are. Cool. You know what I mean? I'm glad it worked out. Yeah, man, for sure. I appreciate it. Uh, Rick Hanville was here. In the house. In the house. That's what they said. John Packman Podcast, Connecticut Valley School of Music and Dance Booth in downtown Portland. Come over to Bridge Pool of Yui. Park in front of the music store with the red neon light. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Come on the show with me. I'm making my way down the list still. I'm not even close. The list it just gets bigger with every guest. That's kind of the beauty of it. Uh, have your own podcast here in our studio. Dave will tell you how. Thanks a lot.
That is all. All right. Thanks, John. Thank you.